0: information visit ahernhotel.com
1: never miss another show stream us live or listen to past podcasts 24/7 at lbsportsnetwork.com. this is Raider Nation Radio 920 AM KRLV Las Vegas
2: broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio this is unnecessary roughness you got to score points to win you can't win without scoring points
1: touchdown raiders
2: Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920
1: AM. Here's
2: your boy Q.
0: And here we go, Raider Nation. My man, DeMond Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm at the house studio. Another day of practice is in the books. As a matter of fact, the final day of practice for the weeks are in the books as the Raiders will be uh, traveling tomorrow on their way to Miami to prepare for their third preseason game of the year, and of course, it'll be the Miami Dolphins' only second preseason game. But since the Raiders had the Hall of Fame game, it'll be their third one. So, uh, yeah, we're done at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center at least for this week. We'll be back at it next week. But uh, another day of training camp, another hot day outside. I thought I was smarter than everybody else. Uh, I seen a couple tweets that said uh, that the the fan experience was canceled for today at, at practice. So I thought, oh, that means that they're gonna have us inside. So instead of wearing shorts. I wear pants. You know, I wore my normal golf pants that I wear. Yeah, well, the fan experience might have been canceled, but we were still outside. So there you go. But, I mean, it's okay. It worked out fine for us. We were out there. And I'll say this right now, Raider Nation, I'm sure you've seen a lot of different tweets from either Paul Gutierrez, Deshaun Reed, uh, Vinny Bonsignor, plenty of folks that were out there. That Raiders defense looked pretty stinking good today. Really good. There were some good things that they did. Max Crosby, I continue to say each and every day how good he looks. I mean, he is just – He is out there wrecking shop. Chandler Jones looked pretty good as well. There was a couple times where he had his moments, his time to shine. But, man, Max Crosby is just ruining everything. And not only that, not only was Max Crosby killing the offensive line, which we'll have plenty of conversation about that, you know, is that Max Crosby killing because he's a killer? Or was that Max Crosby killing because the offensive line is pretty suspect? Or, Or is it a combination of both, which I think it probably is a combination of both. But I do know how good Max Crosby is. I mean, that dude is, uh, he looks unstoppable out there. I don't care who's across from him. He looks really unstoppable. But also in coverage, I thought the Raiders looked really good in coverage. Now, there was a couple times, a couple busted plays where Derek Carr was able to throw touchdown passes to Mac Hollins or whoever was uh, wide open. T. Billy was wide open one time in the end zone, and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham got pretty upset about that. But for the most part, guys like Trayvon Mullen, guys like Rakya Sin, guys like Nate Hobbs, Darius Phillips, those guys were making it difficult. Trayvon Merrick, they were making it really difficult on the offense out there. So in coverage, they looked really good as well. So that was very encouraging because it's one thing if you just see the defensive line getting after guys. But when you see the secondary doing their job as well, knowing who they're going up against, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, you know, you got, uh, you got other guys out there. Like I said, T. Billy, Mac Hollins. No Darren Waller today. He practiced yesterday, but he didn't practice today. But for the most part, man, I mean, you've got you've got some dudes out there that they're going up against and they made life very difficult for the offense. And I'll say that I, I will say that the Raiders defense won today. If if you're keeping score, I would just I'd feel very confident saying that the defense won the day. And I don't think anybody who was out there would challenge that, including the team. <laughs> right. I think the team would say, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. The defense got them, and the defense was man. They were lathered up. They were feeling good. They were talking trash. Uh, Rob Ryan was out there talking trash. Chandler Jones, uh, Max Crosby, uh, they, he was sending all kinds of different messages in you know in the trash. He was talking. I mean, it was it was one of those things, man. It's a hot day. You're in full pads. It's spirited. You've been in camp for how long now? You're headed into your third preseason game. It's it's gonna get it's it's gonna get pretty intense. But you know, to their credit, no you know no fights or anything like that. Just just some real good strong competition. So. I don't know, Damon. when I tell you that the defense won today, what, what is your initial response?
2: Well, first off, it makes me feel good about that secondary because it sounds like, hey, so are we saying that this secondary is improving? Because we know with this defense, it's like, hey, everybody, when we bring on national guests, they say, hey, I just don't know about that secondary when it comes to the defense. But, but from what you're telling me, it sounds encouraging. And you tweeted about Nate Hobbs picking off Derek Carr. That was the first one that he, thrown, that he threw in camp. How was the reaction around that?
0: Right. Well, I'll tell you, it was all a big surprise, right? It was all a big surprise because it wasn't like it was just an interception. It was a hell of a play by Nate. I mean, he had to really – I mean, it's, it's one of those things where even Derek Carr went over to him after the drills were over and just kind of said, like, hey, that was a good one. You know what I mean? Like, that was that was just an exceptional play. That was one of those where you can't even get mad at it. So we all got excited by the play because we've been talking about Nate quite a bit, and he was playing a lot today in the slot. More, more in the slot than anything outside. I mean, when you have the return of Rocky Sin, you have the return of Trayvon Mullen, you start to see a guy like Nate slide back into the slot. So, you know, I got the theory that he's going to be on the outside as the, as the corner this year, but we all know that Joshua Daniels, Patrick Graham, and company are going to put the best guys out there on the field. So if the best combination in the secondary still has Nate Hobbs in the, in the slot, then that's where he's going to be. But I think that he can really hold his own on the field anywhere he wants to play. I mean, that's that's just how stinking good he is. But the play that he made, kind of dive into going and get that interception, then roll over and take it to the house, it was it was an exceptional play. I mean, it really was. It looked like it was just going to be a, a little check down, and, and all of a sudden Nate Hobbs just jumped that route. It's almost like he baited him into that one, jumped it, and like I said, took it to the house. So uh, you just got to tip the cap. And that was only Derek Carr's first interception of camp. Not too bad saying they've been in camp for, what, three, four weeks now? <laughs> I mean, that's n- not a bad. I'm that's surprised not...
2: that one hasn't happened sooner.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, again, that just, look, I, I think that uh, what we were talking to, uh, to Marcel Louis-Jacques yesterday about uh, Tua, and he had, what, five in one day or three in one day? You know what I mean? Like, that was one day. Derek Carr's had one interception in one camp. You know, so there's that's the difference right there between what they got going on in Miami and what the Raiders have going on here in Las Vegas. DC's still one interception, period, two or through three or four, just the other day.
2: And last, and last night, excuse me, yesterday with Marcel, he did say, hey, man, they were like in a prevent defense, but still, I'm sure the Raiders have practiced their prevent right. defense as well. Exactly. Like Carr, when he's throwing it deep in those situations, still not throwing picks, though
0: right exactly so that's that's the uh that's the thing right there so uh, anyway just a really good day of practice think uh, got a lot of good observations in and just seeing those guys go out there competing preparing themselves For this Saturday, I do think it's a. uh, there was, like like I said, a lot of good competition going on out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Coming up on the show today at 2.30, Deontay Lee from The Athletic, that's our good friend. Uh, He put out a piece, and it's funny, the last time he joined the show, he told us he was going to put out this piece about who has the most approved from the 2019 draft class. And I remember saying, uh... Don't really want to talk about the 2019 draft class in the first round uh, because, you know, you're looking at guys like Cleve Farrell, you're looking at John Abram, and you're looking at Josh Jacobs. But he did put Josh Jacobs in his article, and we haven't seen Josh Jacobs out there at practice since, what, the 12th? I think Deshaun Reed put out the 12th was the last time that, that uh, Josh Jacobs was out of practice, and that was last, last Thursday? So, well, no, I'm sorry. Last uh, last Friday. It'll be a week tomorrow. There you go. And I remember being in the indoor last Friday saying, yeah, I don't see Josh Jacobs. And then we saw him in the locker room following the game on Sunday. But as far as action, being out on the field or being in, in the practice, uh, you know, setting, we haven't seen him. So he, he did you know, write about Josh in this article. So we're going to talk to Deontay about Josh and what he could do this upcoming year. And we all know about the not the getting the fifth-year option picked up. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be on the team. It just means that they didn't pick up that fifth-year option. They're not going to give him all that guaranteed money, uh, you know, to, to protect him against injury and all that, like like a lot of, uh, you know, first-teamers get picked or first-rounders get picked up if they are exceptional players. And I just don't think that the running back position is valued like that. So uh wouldn't be, you know, not surprised at all when they didn't pick up that fifth year option. But I just really want to talk to Deontay about Josh and the running back room in particular, because we talked about it multiple times about how much talent that there is in that running back room. So Josh is, is in a contract year Josh, I believe, is going to be able to go out there and ball out. I think he's healthy. Uh, I'm assuming he's healthy, but he hasn't been in practice, so maybe he's got a couple bumps and bruises that they're trying to take care of right now, which is fine. I'm assuming that he's going to have a, a pretty big role in this offense, but just want to pick Deontay Lee's brain about you know what his expectations are from Josh Jacobs, what he thinks he can do in this offense, knowing the guy pushing the buttons in Josh McDaniels, how he likes to run his system and how the fact he likes to have, you know, running back by committee. And there's a lot of different dudes that you choose from. I'll tell you, the one guy who's out there each and every day working, working, working is Kenyon Drake. (laughs) I don't know, and I told Vinny this earlier today when we were at practice, said, man, I don't know if this dude is trying to prove to the the regime that he's the guy or he he can be the guy, but, man, he is out there. single day putting in a ton of work, running hard, catching passes, doing special teams. I mean, Kenyon Drake is doing everything. So regardless of whatever happens to him when it comes down to the 53-man roster, if he makes the squad or he doesn't make the squad, if they move him, if they don't move him, whatever he ends up getting, he, he, he's earned. Because he's really – I mean, he, this dude, DeMond, he's out there putting in the work. He really is.
2: For you to just say, regardless if he makes the 53-man roster, this running back room is insane. It's so yeah. loaded for that to be, even be a question and a legitimate one. Right. Because I think in Kenyon Drake, when they first signed him last season, I know it's a different regime and all, but I was like, man, he's going to be something special for this team. Right. He's one of those pieces that's missing for this offense. And I still think that he can be that, you know, coming off of that ankle injury. But, man, it's just to think, the team could be just as fine without him. As, woo.
0: Right. these running backs. It- No, the running back room is really, really thick. So uh, we'll talk to Deontay Lee about that coming up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, we're here from head coach Josh McDaniels. We were at uh, the media center earlier today, and uh, we talked to him bright and early about 8.45 this morning. So we got some sound bites that we'll hear from him. Uh, Just talking about the preparation that they have for this game against Miami. Talk about some players in in particular that are on the team that may be on the roster bubble. Uh, Just a lot of good sound bites we'll get from head coach Josh McDaniels. That's coming up at 3 o'clock at 3.30. Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Also, the morning tailgate. He'll join the show just to give some of his observations. What he's been seeing, what he's been hearing, what he's thinking when it comes to this roster. And, you know, does he think that the Raiders need to go outside of the, you know, and, and go get an, another offensive lineman? Do they need to go outside of the building? Is there a possibility that they have the guys in house that can go get it done? You know, the more and more I, I watch practice, the more and more I see this defensive line really getting after the quarterback, the more and more I'm thinking that GM Dave Ziegler is going to have to go outside the building and bring someone else in. You know, they have to bring in a few more Um, you know, just bodies just to go ahead and be out there and compete. I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and find some studs that are going to be, you know, book in left tackles and right tackles. Well, they don't need a left tackle. They have Colton Miller. He's been playing really well. Uh, I'll say that. He looked really good today. He he stonewalled Chandler Jones multiple times. So Colton Miller is looking – he's looking the part, and I think that he's only going to get better going up against Max and Chandler Jones in practice. So, obviously, they don't need a left tackle, but, I mean – We've talked about it multiple times, that right tackle position's up in the air. Thayer Mumford did not return to practice today. That's a little bit of a concern, saying he was starting to look pretty good and he had been getting a lot of attention, and left yesterday's practice didn't return. He wasn't out there practicing today. So we'll see if he gets any burn on Saturday, but uh, that's something to pay attention to. A guy that was on the rise all of a sudden could get that growth stunted because of an injury and so we don't know. They didn't update us when we asked uh, Coach Brasillo yesterday uh, if there's any concern there. He didn't know, and uh, we didn't get an update really from uh, Coach McDaniels today. So uh, just something to continue to pay attention to, what's going on with Thayer Munford. see if he's able to make a comeback. But at the same time, seventh-round pick out of Ohio State, I mean, if that's the guy that you're dependent on, no disrespect to him, then you were probably in a, in, a, in a somewhat of a pickle to begin with, right? Because he, I mean, DeMond, we haven't been talking about him all training camp. We just started yes. talking about him last week, late last week at that. So if all of a sudden he just now emerged and all of a sudden you were going to, you know, kind of uh, hit your wagon to him, then you might have had a problem to begin with.
2: Yeah, like you said, it's a problem to begin with because the seventh-round draft pick, usually that's the story. Hey, if this guy makes the team, you know, following camp, good for him. Not right. he may be the savior at right tackle, and I know savior right. is a big word. But,
0: but you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. That's the thing. Like, you know, is, this, is, is he the savior? If he is, then you probably had a problem before. So uh, we'll talk to Vinny Bonsignor about all his observations, what he was able to see at practice today, and uh, what he thinks about this team moving forward as they prepare to travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins on Saturday. And then at 4 o'clock, we have our, uh, our normal guest that we have every Tuesday and Thursday at that time, Legan Kennedy from the Raiders broadcast. Of course, he does a fantastic job. And – I'll ask him all things offensive line. I mean, really, and what's he going to be paying attention to? I know he's in the booth calling the game, so he's going to be paying attention to everything, but who is he really focused in on? Like, we talked to Amik Robertson today, right, uh, after practice, and I asked him, how big is, is this game for you on, on Wednesday? And he said, It's big. It's big. Right? I mean, it's, it's a it's a big deal. He's got to go out there and prove himself. And I know he's gotten a little bit of attention. He's gotten a little bit of love saying that he's, you know, been making plays. I'll tell you right now, I haven't seen too many plays from Meek Robertson in practice. I think he's been okay. But what I saw from him in the game on Sunday was just just that. It was just okay. It wasn't all that. So, uh, you know, there's, there's like I said, there's areas of concern. Uh, I think that the depth at the cornerback position is a lot better. Now that you saw Rocky Sin return, Trayvon Mullen. Uh, also today, uh, Anthony Everett returned. So that was good to have another body in that cornerback room. So that, that could be a good thing. But Amik Robertson's got to prove his, his worth. And so today when I asked him how big is this game, you know, he said it was big. Not only for him but the rest of the team. But in particular, it's big for him just to go and show what, uh, you know, what his value is to this team, knowing that they have to cut down the rosters come Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Got to get the rosters down to 80 men. So those are three of the guests that we have. But we just now, I mean, literally while I'm talking, just got confirmed Amber Wilson from, uh, from ESPN. She's going to join the show at 4.30, and she's going to talk about the biggest news of the day in the NFL, and that's obviously Deshaun Watson and his situation. Amber is a lawyer. Amber is very uh, passionate about this, uh, this Deshaun Watson situation. She's been very passionate since day one about it. Uh, she's on the network right now. She's uh, filling in on Canty and Carlin. So right after she gets off the show, basically, she's going to join our show. So she's going to join us at 430 to talk all things Deshaun Watson, what she thinks about the now 11-game suspension, $5 million fine, and what the Browns do. Is that a good is that a good punishment? What does she think about all that? Uh, I've done shows with Amber. She's fantastic. She does a really good job breaking these kind of things down. So uh, her joining us at 4.30 is a really big deal. So glad to uh, add her to the roster of guests that we have coming up on the show today. So 2.30, Deontay Lee, 3.30, Vinnie Bonsignor, 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy, and 4.30, Amber Wilson from ESPN. So star-studded affair, as we always do, Uh, love to bring you the best that we can do each and every day because that's what you deserve, and that's what we do here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now that we've uh, let you know the guests that we have coming up on the show today, let's go ahead and jump into
1: the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
0: So earlier today we talked to Josh Daniels, he, talk- he was asked about the preseason game number three and if he treats it like the dress rehearsal because it's only preseason game number three for the Raiders and not the Dolphins. And traditionally, that's what it always is. That third preseason game is the dress rehearsal. And so he really just didn't know exactly how they're going to approach it. At least he didn't tell us how they're going to approach this game on Saturday. I'm sure he has a good idea of who's going to play and who's not going to play. But I wanted to ask and pose the question to you, what are you looking for? in this third preseason game. We've seen two games so far from the Raiders, both victories. Not that the victories matter, but I think we've seen some really good things, and we've seen some concerning things, like the, the run defense. I think that was very concerning. Special teams, I think that was very concerning as far as uh, kick, kick coverage. That wasn't very good. You know, and there's, there's a lot of different explanations for why it wasn't very good. I just don't think it was very good. I think sometimes the easy explanation is the right explanation. It just wasn't very good. It's like if we have a bad show, it's it's not anybody's fault. It's not this, that, and the other. Just the show sucked. (laughs) You know, it it happens every once in a while. We try not to have it happen too often, but every once in a while it just happens. You know, so sometimes you don't have to come up with a super great explanation of why it happened. You just say, hey, you know, wasn't a good day. So the run defense wasn't a good day uh, on Sunday against the Vikings. So that might be something that you're going to be paying attention to to see if that gets a little bit better. Um, I think obviously everyone's going to be paying attention to the offensive line and who's starting where. Who gets the most burn? Like Alex Leatherwood, for example. Is he going to start in the second half or is he going to start the game? Is Jermaine Illuminor, is he going to get some early burn? Who, by the way, it's so funny. You know I'm a big fan of, of like pulling for guys when I feel like that they have good stories. It's, it's the old man in me. I'm starting to get, you know, I'm getting soft in my old age, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. Uh, you know, we talked about to um uh Lester Cotton and, you know, how he had to battle back from being out of the league to being in the league. I was like, Man, that's that's an easy guy to pull for. Then Thayer Munford, we talked about him last Last week when he was talking about, you know, dealing with some mental health issues, but, uh, you know, was okay with, with talking about it and comfortable talking about it. I was like, man, that's easy to root for that kind of guy. Well, another guy that I feel like it's pretty easy to root for after his uh, media session he had today was Jermaine Luminor. And I don't know if it's a co- coincidence why all these guys are on the offensive line that all of a sudden it's easy to pull for, but, you know, Jermaine Illuminor said, hey, when I was in, I was in New England, you know, I, I was overweight. I didn't take my craft the way that I should. I didn't really focus in the way I should. I wasn't, you know, getting after it, you know, the, the way there's a lot of things he wasn't doing right. And he even admitted, like, I've had multiple chances, and I haven't done things the right way. Now I'm working on my, I've, I've, I've fixed my diet. I'm not, and he called himself. He's like, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an overweight guy anymore. You know, I, I'm a lot quicker. My agility's there. I mean, he just admitted a lot of his mistakes and felt like, hey, I have an opportunity now to show this regime who I could be. That's actually a guy that I'll ask Lincoln Kennedy about when we talk to him at four o'clock. But I think, honestly, I feel like he's really earned that swing tackle position. You know, we haven't talked about Brandon Parker in a while because we don't know what's going on with him, when he's going to return, if he returns. I think Jermaine Illuminor has, has solidified that spot, and I asked him about it uh, earlier in the media session because he started the game against the Vikings at left tackle. Then he ended up at right tackle, and then he ended up at right guard. I mean, he's, you know what I mean? Like, he's just about doing everything he can, and that's that versatility that uh, this this regime is talking about, that they want to see. So, I uh, I really can respect that, but I think that this game on, on Saturday, I think is a big game for him, too, to continue to show. You know, it, again, it goes back to consistency. You can't be good on Sunday, and then the following week you're just not, or, you, you know, or whatever, you're, you're just okay. I mean, you've got to develop some kind of consistency. So I think uh, along that offensive line, a guy like Jermaine Illuminor, uh, whatever, however amount of uh, game he actually plays, I think it's going to be big for him. But I want to hear from you. I really do. 702-365-9200. we got the Salmonash Tech line at 69187, keyword R&R. What are you looking for in this third preseason game on Saturday? Who do you think needs to step up and have a really good game? Again, get at us at 69187, keyword R&R. Raider Nation listening line at 702-365-9200. And first, I'll uh, start off with my tag team partner back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Damon, who are you looking at or what are you looking at for, uh, for Saturday?
2: Man, I don't want to just go to the offensive line. Right. But for me, it's Alex Leatherwood because, hey, man, you got to get the start now that Thayer Mumford. If we're uncertain about – he didn't practice today, so I'm going to assume he's not playing in the game. So you got, you're got you going to get the start. You got, Aren't you a little, like, angry, pissed off that you didn't get the start and you had to start the second half last game? Like, this is the game where I really want to watch him, like – how is he going to? How aggressive is he going to be from the start of the game? Because for me, I would be going into a preseason game like ticked off that, I'd get, that I didn't get to start the last one. I just want to see right. how Alex Leatherwood
0: is going to approach this game. I like it. I, I mean, I do. I like it. And you know what? It sounds repetitive and old that we talk about the offensive line, but that's the issue. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the reality of it. You have to focus in on the offensive line. If you choose to ignore it, then. You're making a mistake. You know, we had people call in throughout the course of the week saying when we were talking about surprises, we had people call in, tweet in, text in and say, one of my biggest surprises was that they didn't address the offensive line, right? And so there's nothing wrong with that. So if you want to see how Alex Leatherwood approaches this game, that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, it really isn't. You know, I, I have a, a bunch of different, you know, uh, areas of the team and and guys that I'm focusing on as well for this game on, on Saturday, but... Uh, looking at Alex Leatherwood to see how he reacts. Because I'll tell you right now, and I have no problem saying this, I think he's his confidence is down. I think it's really low right now. I don't think it's where it needs to be. You know, and I'm not trying to sound disrespectful. I'm not trying to be that dude, you know, that's just calling guys out. I'm, it's not a hot take. It's just from his body language and just the way that he's been performing so far in, in, in practice that we saw this week doesn't look – Doesn't look the part right now. Doesn't look like he's 100% confident in what he's doing. Again, he's got the tools. And this is another great question for Lincoln when we talked to him at 4 o'clock. He's got the tools. He's got the physicality. He's got the ability. A lot of times, DeMond, is between the ears. Do you have it upstairs? Do you have the confidence to get it done? And sometimes when you have a few bad reps, those bad reps can turn into a couple more bad reps. It's It's like being a corner. You know, if we had Mark McMillan on the show right now, he would tell you cornerbacks, they'll give up a play, but they have to immediately flush it and immediately forget about it, or else they're going to give up another bad play. You, you've got to have a short memory. You, or you've got to basically – my best example, and I never thought about this until uh, a, a high school coach told me this, Coach Scott Stewart in Temple, Texas. He told me – we were talking about uh, his team had just got whooped the week before and they were about to head into the playoffs, and I said, well, what kind of – you know, what's the guys – how do they feel – Because they're going into the playoffs, but they're just coming off a really bad game. You don't want that to carry over to the next week. And he said, Q, you'd be surprised. Kids don't hover on and hold on to things like we do. Like, we think about stuff like that. We won't clear it kids as soon as the game's like they're like hey did you call home girl let's go out to eat let's i mean like like they're ready to you know what i mean like they they clear it immediately
2: would want you to just be miserable on the bus ride home right right
0: they're they're trying to make plans they're like hey it's still early man let's go get something to eat let's go talk to home girl let's do this that and the other let's go to this party you know and and not in a we don't care type way but it's just like hey it happens we got our butt whooped let's move on and and you know what Sometimes that's okay. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's okay to have that kind of mentality. Look, sometimes me and the wife might get into it, have a little disagreement at the house, and then you know what? You want a margarita? Yeah, I do too. Okay, great. And it's over. You know what I mean? Like Hovering onto it sucks, right? Sometimes you you can't hold on to everything. You just got to let it go. You got to L-I-G it. Let it go. I think at times, and I'm not saying all the time, I think at times, and right now is one of those times, I think Alex Leatherwood is holding on to some bad reps, some bad reps that he had in practice. That's just what I'm seeing. So I think, you know, again, what you said about how he takes on this game on Saturday is, is definitely something to pay attention to. And speaking of this game on Saturday, myself and Damon will be at the Ahern Hotel. We'll be doing a pre-pre-show from noon to 2, so we definitely want you to come on out. And we did the pre-pre-shows from the Torch at Allegiant Stadium for all the home games last year. It was a lot of fun. We'll be doing that again, but this is for a road game. And so if you're going to be around town and you just don't really know what to do, I encourage you to come on out to the Ahern Hotel from noon to 2. They got a lot of... Big specials going on. We'll be giving out a bunch of prizes, but definitely be locked and loaded for the game, doing a little pre-pre-action uh, before JT and Eric Allen take over. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the phone lines one time. at 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Damon? Anthony in Minnesota. Anthony out of Minnesota. What What's up? up, my man?
1: What's up, dog? What up? What up? Hey, real quick, I got a couple things. I think you mentioned a couple of them. But I got one I don't think you have mentioned. Okay. But obviously I want to see the, uh, the, the play in the trenches. I really want to see leather – or uh, um, Alex Leatherwood step up and, and solidify that pass protection. Seems to be kind of a beast on the run play whatnot. And then also who's going to be you know, you know, stepping up and being that defensive tackle up the middle on the defense. And uh, those two things, I really got to get short up. But what I really want to see is I want to see the bubble wrap taken off of Trayvon Mullen. I want him out there 10 to 15 plays minimum. Yeah. Next week, 20 to 30 plays. The reason I say that is, it's been over a year or two now where it's just getting, getting injury-prone and all these problems, and I think our cornerbacks have playing so well that, you know what, you might want to say, hey, I don't want him to get hurt in preseason game, but I also got to see, does he know this uh, defense? Yeah. Is he able to step up and play it at, at the level we keep thinking he can and he has in the past? And let's prove it right now because right now maybe we trade him. And so mm-hmm. those are things I want to see, and I want to get your opinion on Trayvon Mullen playing a whole lot more right away what do you think about
0: that first of all great call my man I definitely appreciate hearing from you and I agree with you I would love to see Trayvon Mullen get some burn I think he needs it now Josh McDaniels talked about the guys that just came back from the pup list that just returned to practice yesterday and he said they don't want to do too much they're trying to ease them back in but I think that this is a perfect opportunity to at least get them like you said 15 to 20 snaps maybe two or three series I would have no problem with that hell they gave Nate Hobbs two series in the hall of fame game right I mean, and, and, and I think we all knew what Nate Hobbs uh, could bring to the table. So I would love to see. I, I agree with you 100%. That's a great observation. I'm actually going to write that one down. That is a good one. Trayvon Mullen, would love to see him go out there and get 15 to 20 snaps, maybe two to three series, at least to see what he's got, see if he's got that. You know, it's one thing to not be practicing and not actually, you know, be out there with the guys, but is your cardio where it needs to be? You know what I mean? Have you been doing the work that you could do and not out there practicing, but have you been doing enough for your stamina, your cardio? Where are you at right there? That's something that I think needs to be seen. And I would love to see even Hankins and Bilal Nichols get a little bit of burn on on that defensive line. So I I think that you're spot on, man. That's a great call. Uh, That might be the best one of the show, and it's only 227. So thank you so much, man. I do appreciate you. Fantastic stuff right there. Coming up next. I I do want you to continue to text us in at 69187, keyword R&R. Let us know what you'll be looking for in preseason game number three versus Miami Dolphins. Who do you think needs to have a really big game? Get at us and let us know about it. But coming up next, Deontay Lee from The Athletic. He's going to talk all things Josh Jacobs and what he feels like he needs to do, not in the preseason, but this upcoming season. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
2: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q.
0: We're going to have Deontay Lee join us at 2.45. He's uh, wrapping up something right now, so he's going to join us in about 10 minutes, but that's okay. We've got plenty of calls and plenty of texts to get to in the meantime In between time. The question that we asked there today is, what are you looking for in this third preseason game on Saturday? Who, in your opinion, needs to step up and have a good game? And uh, we got a lot of great texts, and this one I'm so excited for. This one says, last week on both sides of the ball, the guys in the trenches got physically dominated. So I want to see them answer that back and come out with the physical battle. And like Demond said, I also want to specifically see Leatherwood come out and kick some ass. And first of all, that's a great text because they're absolutely right, 100%. Both sides of the ball need to come out and show a little something, something. And Leatherwood, Demond, like you mentioned, but I'm even more excited by the signature on this text. I salute this texter. Signed, the mathematician. <laughs> Signed the mathematician, and for anyone who has no idea what the hell I'm talking about, we were talking about turnovers yesterday on the show, and I said that I thought that the Raiders' defense should come up with about 12, and DeMond said about 12 as far as interceptions go. And then DeMond, who's great on the the Google search and the research real quick behind the scenes, said, well, Patrick Graham's defense the last couple years with the Giants, he had 15 one year and 11 the next year. And I said, yeah, that's about right, about an average of 12. And then the mathematician, before he was actually named the mathematician, actually hit us back and gave me the math the math breakdown and was like actually it's 13. That's what uh, that would be the average. And so it was a nice little back and forth. And so now they're named the mathematician and they self-named themselves the mathematician. So
2: because it's not the fact that he just said, oh, no, it's 13, guys. Right. He did the math. He, he did said, the math. You know, he wrote out the entire <laughs> math problem. He showed his work, like we said.
0: Yes. You know, in school, the teacher always said, okay, you got the answer right, but how did you get here? And so you had to write it out. Well, he showed how he got there. He wrote it out. So that was awesome. So thank you for the text because it was spot on. First of all, and also thank you for throwing that nickname out there. Uh, that's fantastic. Appreciate the feedback as always. The Mailman Raider said, I'm going to keep a big eye on Koontz in the next game. I think he'll play a key contributor this season. My bold prediction of the season is Koontz gets a better stat line than Jones. Ooh. Well, all we need now is some music that goes doo-doo. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's a hell of a prediction right there. Because Chandler Jones, man, that, that's a dude. I know he's a little bit older. I know some people have questioned him. I was on national radio one day, and a guy from Arizona was like, oh, he's so overrated, he's this, that, and the other. He was just dogging the mess out of him. But I think Chandler Jones is going to bring something. And if he brings half of what he brought to uh, practice today, you're going to like what you see from Chandler Jones because that dude was getting after it. And the other thing I like about Chandler Jones, what I like about Max Crosby, what I love about Jerron Harmon, is that every time that they come off the field, they're talking to somebody. They're teaching somebody. They're giving them tricks of the trade. Antonio Pierce. Today, the one, that like the coolest thing about practice today, Demon. we were on the defensive side again, like we've been for, oh, shout out to L. Duncan, by the way. But, uh, the, yeah, we were on the defensive side of the, the field, and, man, when they took uh, somewhat of a break, the linebackers, it's me, Vinny, and Harry Ruiz, we're all sitting around, each, you know, in the bleachers in a certain little area watching the games and watching the uh, practice. Also, the linebackers came over and they sat like one bleacher row across uh, from us, down from us. And so we're literally listening to Antonio Pierce coach up the, the linebackers without sitting there staring. I almost got caught staring at him because I'm I'm so into the conversation like Antonio Pierce. Is like, OK, when this happens, then you do this. When that happens, then you do this. And they're like, oh, I get it, coach. So what about this? Yeah. When that and he's like, when I call this, that means that this is going on. Right. And I don't want to say the words and everything because I, I'm I'm not that guy. But. It was just the teaching that was going on. It was so, it, it was so fun to observe, right? Because you could see one that these guys understood what he was saying, but two, even as they were, he was explaining it to them, and they were picking it up. It made sense to us. It made sense to me. I was like, oh, that that makes sense. Jeron Harmon, for example, he was telling Amik Robertson. Uh, he there was one one play where Derek was trying to get to the end zone. He was trying to throw it to the end zone. It was going to be a, a pretty deep play, and Jerron said, I looked at his eyes pre snap. Pre snap. Remember, I talk, talked about Jerron Harmon yesterday, how much I think he's going to be an asset to this defense. He said, I looked at his eyes pre snap, saw where he was looking. I took two steps back. He said, I did. And he, he told him, I said, I did just like this and took two steps back. And that made him, after the snap, hold on to the ball a second longer and allowed our guys to get in, in position because I was a little bit deeper. I realized what he was doing when I saw his eyes. And it made, me get, it made him get a little bit, you know, made us go a little deeper. It's little stuff like that that sounds like BS, right? It sounds like, okay, he saw his eyes, he took two steps back, and it changed the game. But it, it, how, how many times we say football's a game of inches?
2: Man, that's incredible right there, man. You got some really good insights from practice today. I'm
0: telling you, man, being on the defensive side of the field is awesome. It really is. And especially when there's no fans there, and that's not a disrespect to the fans, but it, when the fans are there, we're in the corner so we don't really get up close and personal. But when there's no fans, we can basically walk 30 to 30 between the 30-yard the, the lines. And so when they're right in front of us and they're coaching, coaching up, it's right in front. It's in your face. You can't help but to – unless you're – well, I mean, I guess some people don't pay attention. But if you're not paying attention, then you won't pick up on stuff. But me and Vinny the whole time are like, oh, man, that makes sense. And, oh, man, that's some teaching moment right there. And Vinny will tell you when he comes on at 3.30 – there was so much that I feel like we learned today just about the defense. Patrick Graham, I, I said it today. I felt like Patrick Graham, and I never went to college. Let me be full disclosure. I never went to college. He, to me, was like an English lit teacher, right, where he kind of walks around, has that look on his face where you know he's, he's thinking something deep, some deep thought, and then he asks you a question. Like he asked Antonio Pierce about a coverage. He said, so, uh, you know, blankety-blank, blank, blank. blank. And, and AP said, yeah, but let's do it this way. And, like, responded, and he goes, okay, okay, bet. And I told Vinny, I said, didn't that feel like the old English lit teacher that is going to ask you a question and knows the answer but wants to know if you're going to try to BS your way out of it or if you actually know what you're talking about? That's what Patrick Graham, to me, seemed like. He seemed like that old English lit teacher that he's walking around, he's got this deep thought in his mind, and, he's, and, and everyone in the classroom knows, like, Oh, damn, he's about to ask a question. I hope they don't ask me because I don't really know the answer. Like, that happened to me all the time in class. There's so many times where I knew, oh, man, here it comes. I hope they're not looking at me. And I try to look away. I try to ignore the teacher. And all of a sudden, Mr. Byers. Oh, damn. You know, and then you knew that you were busted. He just has that where he's, he's – it's almost like some kind of professor. I, I want to say a mad scientist, but not quite a mad scientist. You know what I mean? It's just – he just has that kind of – that air about him. He just it, – it's, it's really cool to see when you're up close and personal. And then when the defense isn't doing what they're supposed to do, then he ain't no English lit teacher anymore. Then all of a sudden he's the angry football coach, right? He's the angry football coach, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And then all of a sudden calm, cool, and collective picks up the speaker or picks up the, the walkie-talkie and calls the next play in. But he's just walking the, the sideline, walking back and forth. It's really a great sight to see, man. It's a, it's a, it's a blessing. I say it all the time to be out there. It really is. Uh, Glenn in San Jose on the, on the Ash text line at 69187, keyword r and I want to see the D-line step up and start stopping the run for a change. That's a good one. Uh, Will in the 603. Hey, Q and DeMond, did the Raiders make a mistake in making Bisacci as the head coach last season? Because it meant if he wasn't retained as a head coach, he'd be gone. Based on how bad the special teams of the Raiders has already been, or did the Raiders make the right decision because it galvanized the team and helped turn them into who they are now? Will in the 603. Good question. I think that, I think that they definitely made the right decision. Uh, Rich Basaccia has been the assistant head coach uh, at multiple stops that he's had in his career. He was the guy – I think he was the best guy for the job. And there's no telling that if he had just been the special teams coach that the new head coach would have kept him anyway, right? I mean, there's, there's no telling. You know, you, you just you, – you have no idea what, what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I think that that was fine. They made a good decision. I think he was the right guy for the job. I really do. I don't think anyone could have done the job better than Rich Basaccia did Last year, given the circumstances, it takes a special guy to be able to help pull a team together when they go through everything that they went through. So I think I definitely believe that he was the right guy for the job. But I said it last year, even when everyone was saying, retain him, retain him, retain him, I kept saying, I don't think he's going to be a long-term answer. I think he's the guy for right now. And now that you're starting to see this puzzle put together, I think most people would agree that Mark Davis made the right decision going outside the building, bringing in this regime under you know uh, Mark um, um, Dave Ziegler, Joshua Daniels, Champ Kelly. I just I just feel like that this this regime is, is tended to go in the right direction. You know, if Rich Masacci had been held on to, maybe Mike Mayock is still the GM. I mean, there's a lot of different there's a lot of ifs and buts that you can you can go back and forth with. But I have no doubt that the the moves that Mark Davis made to bring in the guys that he brought in and then. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly bringing in the guys they brought in, uh, I think that that's, that's the best thing that they could do. Special teams, that's just, that's just a work in progress. I mean, it really is. I don't think the return game is bad. I just think that the coverage units are not where it needs to be yet. But that's also, I mean, talking about what are you looking for in this game on, on Saturday, that could be a prime example of what you're looking for, looking for the special teams unit to look a lot better. So uh, thank you so much, Will, for that text. I appreciate you. Uh, Jason in Vegas said, Q&D, great lineup you have for us today. For me, this game is about if we can keep it clean and po- and on point in play. Quarterback battle, quarterback backup battle, and our run stop defense. Also, how about the Aces win? Was at the game with my dad and it was a great environment, and most of all, we got the dub, Jason in Vegas. That's awesome. And, yeah, shout-out to the Aces, man. I was on the edge of my seat for a little while last night watching the game on TV, and then they started pulling away. And I think real quick – Uh, not going off the subject too much. But when it comes to the Aces, I think in the WNBA, in this playoff run, I think every single team is going to try to physically beat them up. I think that that's the only way that a team beats the Aces in the playoffs is if they can just be a little bit more physical than them. Because if you notice, and Jason, you were there, you noticed that game last night, they were – it was a very, very physical game. And Chelsea Gray got a little roughed up. And when Chelsea Gray got a little roughed up, Stockton, California came out in her. Man, in Stockton, California, when Stockton, California came out in Chelsea Gray, it was over. She had that little edge to her. She all of a sudden hit that three-pointer, hit those free throws, had another bucket, over. It was lights out. It was like Nate Diaz or the Diaz brothers going into the ring, right, the octagon. You know, those cats are from Stockton. I'm telling you, man. Stockton, California came out in Chelsea Gray last night, and then the Aces pulled away. So there you go. Jason, thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. 243 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come on back. When we do, we'll have Deontay Lee from The Athletic joining us, talking all things Josh Jacobs. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
0: Right now, joining us on the phone lines from The Athletic is Deontay Lee, our good friend. And we definitely appreciate you this afternoon, my man. And I was checking out your article about uh, the 2019 first-rounders that, you know, they have something to prove this upcoming year. And I remember you had teased it here on the show and let us know that it was coming out. And, of course, Josh Jacobs is uh, part of the headline of this, uh, this piece that you wrote out. And Josh had a down year as far as rushing yards. And, and I say down, yard, or down year, I say it respectfully because he still had 872 yards and nine TDs. He had 348 receiving yards. What do you think, after getting the fifth-year option declined by this new regime, what do you think Josh Jacobs needs to do this year? How can he prove his worth not only to the Raiders but to the league?
3: Um, to me, it's not just the fifth-year option thing that's a signal. I think it's also bringing in the kind of running backs that Josh McDaniels did in the off-season. because if you think about their skill sets, you know, you think of the Kenyon Drake and the other guys that they have there, they're all the jack-of-all-trades types, which is exactly what Josh Jacobs is sold as, right? is a back that can be on the field for all three downs, can add something in the receiving game, is a tough runner to clean the tackles, all those types of things. So I think that for him, you know the big thing is, can you get back to creating the yards after contact that you did when you were a younger player, right? Like that was one of the things that really drew Raiders fans and I think NFL fans to him, and why he was able to win Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, when he was drafted, is the fact that he was able to create so much offense after contact. You know, with those tough runs, and, and one thing that we know, one thing that we know about that is that it wears on your body after a while. And now he's faced with dealing with a new coaching regime that was not there when he was drafted. You know, I don't think that it, it might not even really be a reflection of him as a talent because he's obviously still a very useful back as much as he's just faced with the reality that there's a coaching regime that wasn't there when he was drafted. He was a first-round pick. The fifth-year optional first-round picks is expensive for a reason. And now he's faced with, hey, i got to compete with, other guys who have similar skill sets with me with a coach that is trying to implement a new system. So I think that what he did in the receiving game last year was great. He'll have plenty of opportunity to do that with Joshua Daniels. And then you got to show that you can create those tough yards again and still be explosive on the way that he was as a rookie.
0: You know, we have always heard and seen Josh McDaniels use, you know, running back by committee, and he's talked about it that you got to have healthy guys. So, what do you think the the how do you think the share is broken up in that running back room? Because I'll tell you, Deontay as a guy who's at training camp every single day. There's a lot of talent in that running back room.
3: There is. It might be one of the more talented running back rooms in the league. You know, quietly, um, it's hard to say exactly how the share, you know, how the share breaks down because this isn't exactly the way that they've had it when Josh McDaniels was in New England, right? Like, when he was in New England, there was usually a designated power back, a designated receiving back, a back who was better in pass protection, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they don't necessarily have that. I think this is one of the few years for Josh McDaniels where you can make the legitimate argument that all of the backs in that backfield can do the same things as one another. And that does lend to some versatility, but it also makes it so that way, if a guy's not having a good week, he might not see the ball for a little while. Right, so I do think that there's a little bit of pressure in terms of the competition that these guys got to sort out one way or the other.
0: What do you think that Josh himself needs to like? What kind of season does he need to have in order to? Like I said, he's playing for a contract somewhere in the league. If it's with the Raiders or someone else, but what what does he have to do as far as his production? You know, how much should he be standing next to Coach McDaniel's begging for the ball? <laughs>
3: I mean, it's a major piece. And a lot of this to me it's really about durability more than anything, right? Like, one of the things that I think we know in the modern NFL is well, it, I mean, this is just a truth in football, period. Outside of the quarterback, the player who touches the ball the most would be the running back, right? And, right? You know, the mileage that you take on is going to be high. And now I think the more that we ask running backs to be receivers, that's just additional touches, you know? However, we feel about the value of a reception versus a rushing attempt. You know, that's a conversation for a different day, but a touch is a touch, and if you're getting touches, that means you're getting tackled. And if you're getting tackled, those miles those miles kind of stack up pretty quickly. So I think that he does need to show that he can be a seventeen game player, that he can still be a three down player. You know, the guys that are on this depth chart behind them, you can't allow them to creep up and take those third down reps from you. That's a big thing. So he's gotta fight away the Kenyon Drakes and the Amir Abdullah's guys who can be productive you know, out of the backfield that we know Zamir White as a rookie is a guy who can kind of do it all as well, you know, we've seen this preseason. So that's the biggest thing, you know, starting off preseason with a little nick and bruise is probably not the greatest, you know, feeling for him, because I'm sure that he wants to eat up as many reps as possible and keep his competition at bay. But that's going to be a big thing. He's got to be a 17-game player, and he's got to be productive when he's out there because the Raiders do have multiple other options that can do similar things that Josh Jacobs can do.
0: Talking right now with Deontay Lee from The Athletic here on NSA Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man damon has got one for you.
2: Yeah, Deontay, for the last preseason game for the Raiders, you and Ted Nguyen, you guys were on playback, you know, doing a telecast for the game. And I want to ask you mm-hmm. what you saw specifically about that defense, because last season we know that the cover three, it was bend, don't break. But with Patrick Graham in this new scheme, what did you see that you liked from the Raiders?
3: I think that, well, A, to, to attack the, the cover three thing, we're seeing a lot of that this preseason as well. I, I'm not super shocked by that. I do think that right now, I mean, it's hard to turn over a roster and get ideally what you want uh, from top to bottom in one offseason. So I think that, you know, you kind of got to check these boxes off one at a time, and I just think that based on the defensive backfield that they have, it probably behooves them to play a little bit more single high stuff and a little bit more soft zone coverage and tight man coverage. Right? So I think that that's what we're seeing a lot this preseason, and I expect to see that through the regular season. My biggest question for him, kind of based on what we've seen in the Hall of Fame game and against the Vikings, is what is the pressure rate or what, are the, what is the blitz rate going to be for this team? You know, when When Patrick Graham was in New England and in Miami with Brian Flores, he was obviously there as Brian Flores was helping to develop some of those heavy pressure packages. So I'm really interested to see when we get in season, is that going to be a major factor in this defense or – Are they going to look at Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and say, hey, we've got two guys who at their best can be all pro-level players. Do we just ask them to go get after the quarterback and we're just going to try to play zone coverage behind it and try not to give up explosive plays? But based on what I've seen so far you know, and from what I've heard from guys who would know, I would expect a lot of single high zone coverage still. It just might not be as static a defense as it was uh, under under, uh, Gus Bradley. I think you might see a little bit more pressures – a little bit more different rotations where you're trying to hide where safeties are at, trying to use um, Trevon Merrick in different ways, trying to use Jonathan Averill in different ways. I think we're going to see a lot of that from this defense, unless in terms of coverage diversity based on what we've seen so far this preseason. Deontay,
0: before we let you go, so, so we're talking about some defense. Let me ask you about a guy that I talked about quite a bit uh, yesterday's show, and that's Deron Harmon. He's a guy who's been there, done that, been in the league for a very long time, spent plenty of time in New England, also in Detroit and Atlanta. But he's a ball magnet. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who creates a lot of turnovers, and he does a lot of film study. So what do you expect from Deron Harmon? How, how big of a deal is it that he's on this Raiders defense because he knows what Patrick Graham is looking for?
3: I think it is a big deal, and it's for exactly the reason you said. You know, we see this often when new regimes show up. You want to go sign guys who have spent multiple years playing for you, right? That's how Kyle Van Noy ended up in Miami when he was there. You know, all these guys, you know, we talk about Jamie Collins when he went to Cleveland and all these types of things. Like, when you're trying to implement some of the things that you may have been doing at New England, it's hard to do when you don't have, you know, the hoodie standing behind you to kind of put it all together, right? So you want players who are around – who know the terminology, know how certain things work, know how to problem-solve based on certain calls. And like you said, Dron Harmon is a guy with ball skills, and this is a conversation that we've had on this show before, was talking about trying to force turnovers, mm-hmm. right? Understanding where those turnover opportunities are, how to attack the ball, be more productive at the catch point, be more disruptive at the catch point. You know, more passes broken up, more interceptions, more fumbles forced. You know, bringing in a guy like Harmon, I think that, you're trying to implement those types of things, and that's going to be a major piece of this defense. If the pass rush is as good as it can be, and they're able to stop the run because they're loading up the box, well, you know, you know, you're not going to be playing tight coverage all the time. So that means that you need to get your hands on the football whenever you can. And I think that a guy like Harmon is definitely going to be there for that. Trevon Merrick is another guy with great ball skills, based on what he did at TCU, too. You know, I think that you have really got to try to uh, implement that in a way that it may not have existed under the pre, under the prior regime if you really want to step up and get from out of that middle of pack defensively to be in one of the 12 to 10 best sequences in the NFL.
0: Good stuff as always, Deontay Lee from The Athletic. You got something coming out that uh, we need to be on the lookout for?
3: Um, I mentioned the glossary last time. We're starting to put together some of the illustrative work behind it. We're, we're making a big project out of this deal, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm going to be working on some more things defensively, trying to talk about what I think the thresholds are in the modern NFL for what would make an excellent defense or a championship level defense. So that's something I I plan to have out in the next week or so. And we'll always be talking about the draft and and college football as well. And that'll be kicking up pretty soon, too. So my face and and name will be on plenty as we go along and get ready for week one.
0: Nice. I like it. Well, I said that that was the the last one we were going to wrap up. But uh, DeMond had a high school question he had to ask you. Yeah, I just can't let you get out of here without
3: asking about the Sun Devils. How's the team
2: looking? When's the first game?
3: First game is tomorrow at six o'clock. Uh, nice. Right now, you know it's it's funny, man. Like just changing over personnel. You bring in it's different personalities. Guys who were juniors last year might have been a little bit more quiet. Now you're kind of thrusted into that senior leadership role. So we're still trying to figure out everybody's personality. So that's been the fun part: is seeing which guys you know you need to wrap an arm around, or which guys you need to kind of put a foot foot in their butt to get them moving. <laughs> and we've been going through that and. You know, you're always evaluating the things that you're good at, and some of the things we're good at this year may not have been the things we were good at last year. So, you know, we'll have some changes defensively, and I'm I'm really excited about what this team is going to be. If for no other reason than I like the identity shift that we're going through um, as a coaching staff. So, I've been real excited to see just how flexible everybody on staff has been, and I'm looking forward to what this upcoming season might be for us because I think we can be pretty good again.
0: Well, we'll definitely have to keep updated on uh, how the how the team is doing, man. We're always uh, fascinated by high school football. Love it around here. So uh, we definitely appreciate you. Good luck to your team, my man, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. All
0: right, there he goes. Deontay Lee from The Athletic joining us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. 259 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Kickoff hour number two, you'll hear a little from Josh McDaniels. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.